I'm licensed psychotherapist Greg Woodhill. Welcome to a Brave New Man podcast. On this show, we speak with both experts and non-experts in our goal of exploring all the ways that men are already getting it right, acknowledging all the ways that we're getting it wrong, and most importantly, learning how we can fix what needs to be fixed in order to have healthier, happier relationships and lives. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. I was thinking recently about how much of the time I feel like I'm up in my head. My thoughts are moving fast. I'm really not paying attention to what my body is saying to me or how I'm feeling in a given moment because we've just gotten so used to this high-paced world of checking our phones, checking the news, staying up to date with everything, playing games on our phone about basically just finding any way to be distracted from being in the present moment. I've certainly recognized that pattern in my own life, and I've talked to a lot of people who feel the exact same way. So I brought Nadia Munla onto the podcast today to talk about embodiment and sensuality. We're going to talk about some of the reasons why we have become so misattuned with our bodies, and most importantly, different ways for men and for women to get ourselves more connected to our bodies in any given moment so that we can pay attention to the important information there. We also talk about the incredibly important issue of how to create a feeling of sexual safety with our partners, of how to attune to our partner's sense of safety, even if it differs from our own. Let me tell you a little bit about Nadia. Nadia Munla is an embodiment coach who guides women to sensual nourishment, authentic expression, and embodied power. She teaches them to stop managing their bodies and start loving them instead so that they can feel confident, sexy, and powerful in business and in the bedroom. Through her one-on-one coaching, Embody Dance classes, and Embody Teacher training, Nadia has guided thousands of women across five continents on their journey back to themselves. Let's get to our conversation with Nadia. Hi, Nadia. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me. You are an expert in embodiment, sensuality, working with people to heal any blockages of actually owning their true sensuality, their sexuality. I thought you were such a perfect person to talk to about that process. And I wonder if we could start with a really simple question. Well, it's simple for you, but maybe not for the rest of us, which is what is embodiment? What do you mean by embodiment when you work with people on the healthy version of that? Yeah, it's a it's a really important question because embodiment actually is a fairly new term, right? Mm. So a lot of people are like, what does that even mean? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's important in our discussion that we start there. And, Mm. you know, the very, very oversimplified way in which I define it is sort of getting out of your head and into your body more. Mm. Now, the problem with that is our head is part of our body, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but we get that we get the sense, right? The second we hear that we understand, okay, it's moving away from the very sort of go, go, go hustle, hustle, over-theorizing, over-conceptualizing, over-strategizing, list-building, list-making, right? Like, it's all of that. And moving from that into um, a state of of being, of feeling, of receiving, of moving through the world where you are more connected to your senses, essentially, and where you are in alliance with your Mm. body. 
Wow, that sounds amazing. Do you have an understanding of why we all get so trapped in our heads to begin with? Because I can absolutely identify with that. There's been so much time in my life where I am so trapped in thought that I'm not even paying attention to what's happening in our bodies. Why do we do that? Well, (laughs) it's a great question. We do that because we are currently living in a system and in a world that really reveres the mind. That really mm-hmm. reveres productivity, you know, whether we look at there's sort of different systems and institutions, you know, but if we look at like the system of capitalism, the system of the patriarchy, um, we are really being asked to sort of show up as if you think about it as unemotional, productive robots, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the really extreme version, right? Sure. But in a way, it's true. Like the world is set up to have people who are creating things in the world and who are increasing profit and productivity. Mm-hmm. And if we sit down and actually take some time to sense everything, then you know what's going to happen. If, you know, <laughs> we're not going to get as much stuff done, essentially, yeah. which yeah. doesn't really serve a lot of the systems in place. Right. And so I think what's right. happening is it started off there and then it moved into our own psyche. So we're all now, there's an internalized sense of, of course, like my self-worth is dependent on my productivity. And so I'm going to be really heady or we grow up, you know, in a school system where it's like, okay, well, if you get in your homework and you get an A, like you are considered the star child, the star student. And all of these different messages then have us, especially for women, okay, or anyone who's in it, who's growing up in a woman's body, what happens is we start to use what we're noticing, the feedback, the messaging that we're getting in the school systems from our parents, from our teachers, that, oh, oh, look at us, we, we actually get more respect and more recognition when we are smart. And let yep. me really move towards my success and, and like, let me get more love by being smarter. Yeah. And move away from that which we also get messaging about which is our bodies our sensuality where usually the messaging is the opposite it's oh it's, this is dangerous or this is not what good girls do or you yeah. know things like that. i've heard you say to women before stop managing your body and start loving her instead can you speak to that a little bit nadia Mm-hmm, most definitely. So the whole idea is that when you look at like diet culture, and even certain threads of health coaching, you'll see that there's still a lot, lots of times that the approaches are very much one of how do we manage our body. Mm-hmm. And by managing, it's sort of a combination of things like we're, we're like a pro, it looks like a project to us, like we're like, oh, okay, let me chisel away at my, you know, muffin top, and mm-hmm. let me work on my abs. And so there's, this whole like obsession of rearranging the way our body looks literally like it's a project that we're working on by either starving ourselves going to the gym um, more than we really need to Mm. and things like that and then there's the other piece of managing which is around really what the, the the way that the patriarchy has managed our bodies right so from this idea of okay you know cover up more close your legs right more from the from erotic sense. And so oftentimes as women, we internalize that as well, those messages, right? We naturally start to close our legs because we, you know, we're like, well, that's probably a good idea, you know? Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, 
and we naturally start to go, oh, is this is it is does it, is this right for the boardroom? Like maybe not. Maybe I need to be in a in a little blazer, not like you know, with my cleavage out. Mm. And so we start to do these things where we do our own managing of our bodies. And really, we need to come back to this place that the revolution here is about feeling what it's like to be in our bodies, and then listening to what it is that she actually needs in the moment. Does she need looser clothing? Does she need, you know, more nutrient dense food and more water? Does Mm -hmm. she need to dance more? Yeah, as opposed to what have I been conditioned to do to be, quote unquote, like you said earlier, a good girl. Uh, Rather, what is my body telling me from the inside out what it needs in this moment, what she needs in this moment? Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm, 100%. You mentioned before that some of the reasons are because of conditioning, a book of messages from the patriarchy and the way our education works. Is it just those factors I just mentioned or are there other things that compound it? Well, so what I've come to notice the trends in my clients is, and really in just all all the the women identifying people I see around me is this, is there's sort of three messages that they're really working with that have gotten sort of ingrained in our system. And one is this idea that we, and we've already talked about this, the idea that, you know, our sensuality is unsafe, that our erotic is dangerous, and that essentially, you know, sexy girls aren't taken seriously as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Like the idea of like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make it in the world by being really smart. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's that piece. So basically what I, what I teach is, you know, oftentimes when women will come to me and they'll say, I just really want to feel sexier. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's like Mm -hmm. probably the number one thing I hear on my exploration. I just want to feel more sensual and more sexy. And what I always tell them is you do, but you don't necessarily want that in every single situation. What you really want is to get to the volume knob of your sexuality and have the agency to turn it up when you want and turn it down when you want. I love that. And that that's really different than just being like, oh, I just want to be a more sexual being. Because there are times where you want to actually what one of my mentors um, calls flatline. Mm. Uh, if you're walking down the alley at night, like if you are at the grocery store, well, depending, you might there might be someone cute that you <laughs> right? But it's like about choosing. It's really choice. And agency yeah. and choice are key here. Like, And the problem is very often women want to turn up their sexuality in particular around you know, with their partner or even on their own, and they don't know where that volume knob is. They literally just have no access to it. And so that's what I do is I help them find it and find all the tools of how do I bring it up and how do I take it back down? There's one other thing I really feel I want to add here to the conversation around sensuality is unsafe, which is that oftentimes, again, uh, women come to me and they feel that, you know, there's this feeling of, oh, I'm I'm just broken. My libido's Mm -hmm. low. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just not... I don't know. It's just never. I tried all the things. I took a lap dancing class. Yeah. I bought new cute lingerie, da, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I always explain to them that in our natural state, in a place of regulation, homeostasis, like when our body is actually healthy and functioning, mm-hmm. our body knows when to bring up the sense of turn on and when to bring it back down. Yeah. So the only time that we feel a sense of low libido is because there's something that is blocking that natural 
again, that sort of volume knob of our hormones, right? Sure. Going up and yep, going sure. down. And most often in my work, I see this over and over again. It's because there's a lack of safety. So it's not actually about, ooh, you know, let me get into awakening my Aphrodite and connecting to my sensual yeah. and running in a cute little boa. Mm. It's actually about going back and doing some foundational nervous system work connected to, you know, your inner inner child. And the reason, uh, the sort of science background to this is that our reptilian brain, the part of our brain that is is responsible for survival and Mm -hmm. is there to help us flag down threats, whenever that is stimulated and is in what we uh, call essentially the sympathetic gear, I like to think of it as a gear shift, like there's like a brake and a gas pedal in our Mm -hmm. system. And the Mm -hmm. sympathetic is sort of the gas pedal of like, okay, there's something that's about to pounce on me. Let me either run for my life, fight against it, or completely freeze, which is playing dead. Yes. And oftentimes we are all in this like mild state of anxiety. And so, you know, the reptilian brain is on and, and is in that gear. Mm. And as long as you're in that gear, if you think about it from a very primal, basic survival mechanism standpoint, the body will prioritize life and surviving over sex. And back in the day when we were running away from like a tiger chasing us, right, when mm. we still were in the wild, it's like, you don't want to get distracted by like a hot human, right? You're like, I'm trying to run away and like, right. Survive. And so this is what the mechanism, this is the mechanism that is still currently playing out. It just no longer serves its original purpose. Wow. And so now we're like, you know, we are in, you know, 2019 and we have these mild anxieties around, you know, credit card bills and our mom who's texting us about this and the yeah. boss that this other thing and and that stops us from feeling turned on and so when we can bring it back to the basics like this is not about you honey like you are not broken in fact your body is do it literally thinks you're dying or about to die and we need to bring back just a sense of safety and once you just do that and you remove that static that noise from your nervous system I promise you, your body will be able to figure out the rest. You don't need to force yourself into feeling sexy or feeling turned on. Our brain and our body is trying to help us. It's trying to keep us alive. But like you said, the nervous system doesn't realize that we're not in danger. It doesn't realize that that anxiety is telling us that our life is in mortal danger, when in reality, we've just become accustomed to our brain working this fast. So what you're saying, Nadia, is such amazing news, in my opinion, because so much of that is an inside job. We're going to talk about what we can do in the real world, what other people can do to make it more safe uh, in a moment. However, All that you're talking about means that a person has agency to change those things inside of themselves. And that is a powerful message. Mm -hmm. You can all do it. So what are the other two messages that you work with women on, Nadia? So the other one is around play being unproductive, this idea that, Mm, you know, you got to work hard to play hard. You have to do your homework first to get time to watch television after, right? Like that's, again, something we learned growing up. And so- Oftentimes, we we don't prioritize our creative energy, our playful, our silly, our like raw innocence, like that childlike energy in us that actually can be um, one of the most beautiful and healing energies mm-hmm. that we we are missing as yeah. adults. 
So, so we've worked with the idea of like reclaiming your pleasure, right? Mm. That was that first message. And then it's reclaiming your play. Mm. And then the third message is really around the flavor of power in the world. So women have this sort of idea that there is like a top down approach to power and leadership and Mm. that it needs to be very much sort of like wagging your finger and like being that scary person on top. And when in fact, you know, we are now moving into a new paradigm of um, feminine leadership that, by the way, is for everyone, not just women, but it's based on feminine values where um, we are focusing a lot more on, you know, body-led intuitive wisdom. Can you tell us what your definition of the feminine is, Nadia? Yes. So feminine in my opinion, is really the, and we have to talk about it in as like two polar opposites. So I have to speak about the masculine when I talk about the Please. feminine. Yes. The, the idea of like, it's sort of like yin and yang, alpha and omega. Like there's so many different words that you can use, but essentially we're thinking about two different energies. The masculine energy is very much the one that our, our world has been operating on for quite a while now where mm. it's very much like a go, go, go. Think of it like an arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the feminine is more circular. It's more holistic. It's more about also receiving and pulling in and being with and, and sensing and the masculine is more about doing. So there's yes. like a doing and being aspect to it. And so when I speak about feminine values or feminine leadership, I'm really referring to a, um, a way of leading in the world that brings in more heart, that brings in more sensation, that brings in more intuition as well. Yes, so we're please. bringing in, yeah, we're bringing in like what our body has to say about mm-hmm. whatever is coming up. Sure. That sounds like a breath of fresh air. And, and you know, the initial stage, I mean, what's challenging at the beginning for a lot of people is them not even realizing this is, at, 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 you know, happening at play. And yeah. then what happens is, okay, they're aware of it, but then they go about it perhaps not in the most efficient way. And that is where, you know, they'll start to try to essentially mindset coach their way out of it. Yeah. And yeah. my personal opinion and my approach to transformation and to healing personally, and it doesn't mean that other modalities aren't wonderful and complementary, mm-hmm. but my way is through the body, right? Because I'm doing embodiment work. And so I truly believe that it's more efficient to essentially speak the language of the reptilian brain, which is, by the way, not words, it is breath. Mm. And it is, you know, movement, which is coupled with breath naturally. And it's sound and it's tears. Like these are the way in which um, we are able to actually communicate with the part of our brain that is connected to safety and survival. But if we're trying to like, explain it complicated concepts it existed way before language existed this part of our brain so it's like uh, it doesn't know what you're talking about right (laughs) so so what you do in working with the reptilian brain with your clients is you actually help to create that body-based safety through working with the reptilian brain instead of getting out a chalkboard or a dry erase board or a computer program powerpoint and teaching them what they're doing wrong you actually go right in and start working with that place to create a sense of safety. Do I have that right? 
Yeah. And I think, you know, we've gotten a little bit just too smart for our own good as a species. And so oftentimes we judge what seems like overly simple, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, just sitting down and meditating or just, mm-hmm. you know, breathing. Inhale, exhale. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, well, that, you know, it's not rocket science. Yeah. And the reptilian brain doesn't need anything complicated. So the tool set um, that you require to actually increase your capacity for self-regulation, which in my opinion is the foundational, like it's the foundation to everything Mm. uh, in personal development and in healing. If you can increase your capacity for self-regulation by learning what breath techniques are specific to you, help you, uh, what visualizations, what meditations, what movement practices can help you, then that is going to really upgrade your, and, and, and make more efficient the time that it takes from getting triggered about Mm. something Mm -hmm. to coming back to a place of regulation. This show is largely about what are men getting right? What are we getting wrong? And how do we fix it? So in that vein, the men in these women's lives that you work with, whether they're lovers or coworkers or family or siblings or friends, What are some changes that men can make to make it safer for women to make the changes you're talking about in embodying their feminine and embodying their sensuality? There's a few things. One is really the recognition that the way that a essentially feminine creature operates and the Mm. way a primarily masculine creature, and I like to call them creatures. Yes. Um, It just, it, it, because I don't think it's about female or male, right? Mm, It's about what our essence is. And it combines a little bit with also, you know, with our gender and our physicality. Mm. But when, when you are of primarily feminine essence and, and oftentimes in a female body, what is required for your libido to go up and to feel safe is going to be a little bit different than what is required of a primarily masculine essence or um, someone in a male body. And a man actually shared this with me once and I I was like, ding, 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 ding. Oh my (laughs) God, this is like huge. Hmm. Lots of times testosterone increases with a sense of danger. So Actually, you know, a lot of men might be more aroused in what feels like a a more taboo or dangerous situation. And oftentimes for women, that is like a shutdown mechanism, right? Or it's an environment that shuts them down. So I think number one, what the men can do is really get a sense of, oh, wait a second, we actually operate a little bit differently. And obviously, you know, there's a spectrum and it's possible that perhaps my woman or my sister or, you know, uh, my mom just operate in a slightly different way than I do. And so one is getting clear on that. So the mm-hmm. second piece is literally just asking, what do you need to feel safe? To ask, because even the question itself creates safety. Yeah. Right. So the yeah. creating safety because then we feel seen and heard, which is a big part of what's been missing historically. I think when it comes to physical intimacy, is that women have often been silenced and not been asked their opinion. And so by asking, like, what do you need to feel safe? You're creating safety and you're creating an environment for you're encouraging and championing her to not stay silent and to actually speak her desires and her needs. And it is so incredibly hard 
for so many women to do that, not just from their lifetime of messaging, but literally from like few generations back of, you know, their mother, their grandmother, probably also, you know, even more than them, um, having been told not to, you know, they had to stay pretty quiet about their needs and their desires, right? That stuff we know now through science, that stuff actually gets passed through down to into our DNA. And Mm -hmm. so on some level, in our nervous system, we still have that programming that was in our grandmother's generation around like, if you speak, you actually like that can actually be a life or death situation. So when we feel 2019, like, you know, I have so many clients of mine who are like, I don't know why it's so hard for me to say, but I literally freeze and I can't do it. And like, I know it's not a big deal and da da da, da, and it's all a a rational mind. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but love, like your grandmother could have been killed for doing the same thing. And you still have residue of that on some level in your, you know, epigenetics or, or I don't know that I that might've not been the right word scientifically, but in your DNA. Yeah, so you're normalizing. First of all, don't beat up on yourself that it's there. Be forgiving and loving toward yourself and then also lovingly changing that message to create more safety. And so realizing that the masculine and the feminine operate in such different ways and then secondarily asking, asking those around us, partners or otherwise, what they need to feel safe, what they need to embody their sensuality And I think that's so huge because there's such safety in receiving compassion and empathy from someone else. There's a being seen, there's a being heard, and realizing I am being taken in by someone who is different than me. And that's one of the things that we talk about a lot on the show is, can I just appreciate that not everybody is like me? For better and for worse, not everybody is like me. So can I learn about somebody who is important to me in any way so that we, it's almost like the love languages, but in a, in a deeper uh, way that's much more around safety is how do I meet you at your level and you can meet me at my level and we understand each other and create safety for both of us. And along those lines, I want to ask you finally, what is one thing for anyone listening right now? that someone who is more primarily in their masculine can do, and then secondarily, somebody who's more in their feminine that they can do right now, one thing each, that could move toward a more healthy embodiment of their safety and sensuality? Beautiful question. So the practices, I'll start with the women since that's um, where I do most of my work. Essentially, I think that the most effective thing a woman can do to create more safety in her own body is building alliance and the way to do that. So building alliance with your body and the Mm. simple practice and way to do that is to take anywhere between 30 seconds to hell, 30 minutes uh, in the morning where you just bring your hands up to the crown of your head. You could still be lying in bed and you essentially just let your fingertips explore your body. And you can play with different forms of touch. It could be like a massage. It could be a tickle. It could be a tapping to wake up nerve endings. It doesn't, it could be celebration, right? Mm. Like, oh man, mm, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) right? Yeah. You'd be like, yeah, I'm so hot. Like, that's a great way to start the day. (laughs) Sure. but it doesn't actually matter what what form of touch it is and for how long it is. The key is to essentially 
recognize the existence of your body in the morning and to go, hey, good morning, my partner. The same way if you had an actual physical partner in bed with you, you wouldn't roll out of bed and just like ignore them. (laughs) What if you just started the day like saying hello to your body? Beautiful. And that way for the rest of the day, your body is way more aware that you have created that alliance at the beginning of the day. And of course, having that as a consistent practice will continue to build that muscle. This can also work for men for sure. It's mm. just I find that it's particularly effective for women because we have such a you know distorted relationship with our bodies. That sounds like such a lightning bolt into everything you were describing earlier. So I love that. Yeah, it's it's really great. And all it takes is 30 seconds. So there's yep. no excuses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> agreed. All right. So how about the masculine? So for for the masculine, I think that, you know, one thing that they can do to create safety in in the women in their lives is to actually champion when the women speak their needs or their truth or their their desires. Mm -hmm. Because it's so key to realize that all it takes is two or three times of championing that, of celebrating when they do say it like, oh, that's so great. Thank you for, you know, sharing what you need. Mm -hmm. I might not be available for it, but thank you for sharing anyways. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, Because just by affirming that and by celebrating that, you are like changing the neuro. You're you're etching in a new neural pathway for this yes. woman. Yes. Yes. Uh, where it becomes safe for her to speak her truth, and that right. is so key because that is not only going to change her life, but keep in mind if she has any children, it's also mm. going to be you know then passed down because like we talked about earlier that sort of stuff gets passed down over and over again. Yes. So literally by just three times celebrating a woman in your life for speaking her truth, you are having a huge ripple effect on women across time and space. <laughs> so that's, wow. that's a really beautiful practice. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, and it doesn't take much effort, but what a big effect you can have. So that, yeah. that's lovely. And then did you say you also had a suggestion of how the masculine can relate to itself or himself? Yes, and this is one that I will borrow from uh, someone who who supports men a lot more in embodiment. His name mm-hmm. is Chris Bale. Mm-hmm. He suggests that men essentially at some point during the day, maybe at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, so this is sort of a parallel to what I give women, actually just put their hands j- just on their crotch and oh, wow. breathe in breathe in and start to connect the space between their heart and their crotch. Mm. And the idea is that the center of the man's power is between their legs, okay. right? And okay. so the more you they they take the time to truly breathe into that perhaps even like massage and it doesn't have to be in a in a sexual way yeah. but just really connect to that part of their body and realize that their divinity is actually it starts there mm-hmm. and when they can connect to the their sexuality to their divinity to their heart yeah. they are going to create just an energy inside of themselves and an integration inside of themselves that is going to naturally emanate safety for for the world and of course the women as well in the world so that's oh, what i would suggest thank you for that that's so beautiful i i see so much i believe it in the world that we have been split off our sexuality and our heart and our loving porn hasn't helped 
Uh, however, I think that a lot of the masculine, quote unquote, masculine, toxic masculine messages that we receive uh, kind of beat that out of us, that our sexuality is bad because sexuality has been used and has harmed other people. So it gets, I think, conditioned. I think men do get conditioned into believing that they need to tamp down their sexuality and they find other outlets for it as opposed to integrating, like you're saying, their loving, their bigness, their masculinity and their sexuality all at the same time. I think that is huge. And thank you so much for that exercise. Well, thank you for what you do, Nadia. And I imagine there's people who are listening, men and women who say, uh, I could use a little bit more of what this woman does, whether it's personally through working with you or reading or getting your newsletters. How do they find you in this world? Sure. Um, so they can find me at my website, which is NadiaMunla.com. Uh, that's really the best way. It's a it's a playground that I've created um, that has a lot of fun embodiment toys and tools. So mm. it's just really fun to, there's like little secret rooms and stuff like that that you can go <laughs> venture into. Mm. So that's the best way. And then, of course, I'm on social media, Facebook and Instagram, both under my name, Nadia Munla. Awesome. Nadia, thanks again. It was just such a pleasure talking to you and thanks for the work that you do. Thank you. It's great. Okay, so what now? Well, first of all, I think it's so important to remember that our self-worth is not dependent on our productivity. It's not dependent on how smart we are, how fast we can think of things or how much we can achieve. Our self-worth is inherent. I am lovable and worthy because I exist. That's true for me and it's true for you. Remember that we have been fed messages that are not true. The three messages that Nadia shared with us, one, that our sensuality is unsafe, two, that play is unproductive, and three, that power is patriarchal and bad and needs to be masculine instead of heartfelt and embodied. For all my men listening out there, the best thing we can do to make it safe for our sexual partners is to be curious and to be attuned to their state of mind, their state of being, and how they are feeling inside of their own body. We need to communicate. We need to look. We need to pay attention. And if you're thinking, well, that's just going to make it a lot less sexy if all I'm doing is attuning to my partner and seeing how he or she is doing in this given moment where I can't focus on my pleasure. And if you're thinking that, I want to challenge you to realize that that connection with your sexual partner can make everything deeper and more pleasurable, more sensual, more exciting, because you're doing a dance with somebody that you are attuned to. It is on us to pay attention to our partners and attune to them and with our words and our energy to convey a sense that they are safe and that they have agency over their bodies because many people have not been taught that throughout their lives. And lastly, I challenge all of you listening and I challenge myself to get off of our phones. I know we've talked about that in previous episodes and I just think it's so important. I can feel the need to pick up my phone day and night to check things that really don't matter. The podcast will be off for several weeks here because I'm going to be traveling overseas, so we'll be back to you in October. But during that time, I'm going to make it my intention to engage with my phone when I need to and let my phone sit and take a rest while I let my brain do the same. 
I'm going to focus on, as Nadia said, attuning to my body and feeling what this present moment is by looking around, by listening, by using all of my five senses to take in the moment and check in with myself. I challenge all of you to do the same. I'll see you in a month. Thanks for listening to A Brave New Man Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to A Brave New Man on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And come follow us on Instagram at A Brave New Man Pod. That's A Brave New Man P-O-D for updates on the show and our daily words of wisdom. See you next time.